Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Beat Your Addiction with John Giordano. I'm your co-host, Scott Jones. And um, before we get started with the show, just want to remind you, you know, uh, we're not out there spending tons of money to make the market and do all this stuff. It's up to you to share this with your friends and to uh, make sure that you uh, like this and subscribe to the channel. Um, and certainly leave comments. And if you want to know more about John or anything that we're doing on the show, easiest way to do it, go to johnjgiordano.com. It's right there on your screen. Go there and check out everything John's doing. Get a hold of his books, and and certainly uh, you can reach out to him that way too. Yeah, you know, what the reason why we did this podcast is to give people good information from our guests, from us, so it helps people with their lives, people that are suffering from depression, anxiety, people that have addictions, and I mean addictions, not just drugs and alcohol, uh, eating disorders, gambling, uh, and so forth and so forth, and, you know, shopping addiction. There's all kinds of different addictions that people say, well, how do you know it's an addiction? Well, it's real simple. When you continue to use a substance or a behavior in spite of adverse consequences, maybe you need to take a look at it. Absolutely. So we tackle a lot of different uh, 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 different um, topics on this show. We talk to a lot of different people. Um, and once again, we, we were able to, uh, to get somebody who uh, I'm very interested in having a conversation with. John, uh, certainly, he's a member of our, our, our sober clan if we will, uh, an author, his name is uh, Steve Moff, uh, and he's coming to us from out in Colorado. We appreciate it. He has a book out. It's called It's an Inside Job, Kid, and he'll explain exactly what that title means, but those of you who are in recovery probably already understand the reference when they say it's an inside job. That's available on Amazon, Kim, Kindle, and Audible. But, John, let's, let's bring Steve in, and let's get right. this thing rolling. We're rolling. Steve, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us from out in Colorado. Well, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, John. Great to be with you guys. <clears throat> so. Completely our pleasure. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you have this book that's out. Um, you're, you're into recovery, and you're all about your own recovery and certainly helping other people. But um, you know, uh, taking the time to do a show like this, we really, really appreciate you taking Absolutely. that time. So, John, take it away, brother. All right, Steve, tell us all about yourself in the book. Well, thanks, John. I, uh, I moved out here uh, out west after, uh, uh, after getting sober in 2005. My mother passed away. I went through divorce uh, in those five years. I, I went back to college. All within a five-year span, this all happened. And uh, I stayed sober through it all. And, of course, I was uh, attending meetings daily. And uh, it uh, was a quick uh, – it seemed at the time it was a quick transition for me to come out here and everything. I, I didn't really think I was prepared, but uh, lo and behold, I made it out here. Uh, I, I wrote this book, uh, it's, uh, an inside job kid. And, and the title comes from when I first, uh, entered AA, I was working in corrections. I had been in corrections, New York state corrections, uh, uh for about three years. And, uh, with my past and growing up, I had a, uh, rough upbringing. My father, uh, ruled with an iron hand and, uh, uh, that, uh, combined with, uh, my experience in, um, uh, corrections, uh, I, I did a lot of drinking and a lot of 
drugging. And I, I use that uh, to cope with my experience in corrections. Uh, and it came, it was about three years in, and uh, I had a supervisor come up to me and say, you know, go up and see the EAP coordinator. And I didn't know what it was, <laughs> what it was about. That's, you know, when, you, when you're in the middle of your addiction, that's, it's, it's like uh, confusing. Well, you're like an ostrich. You got your head in the sand and your ass up in the air and think nobody sees you. There you go. You you know that. <laughs> you know how that works. <laughs> so he sends me up to see, uh, and he was a wonderful man as I look back to him. I look back at, uh, on him, uh, Tom. Uh, he uh, showed me my timesheet and everything and looked at this uh, uh, whole scheduling that I was late using sick time. I was on time abuse. And he said, Steve, uh, my, 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 uh, supervisor wants me to, uh, tell you, we'd like you to go into a rehab and see if we can take care of this problem. And I'm like, rehab. I don't think so. I I'm good. I, you know, it's, it's been a little rough for me lately, but, uh, you know, I'll settle down. He says, Steve, you don't understand either you go or you're out the door. So I didn't have much of a choice. And I went to a 30-day uh, program up in Binghamton, New York. And uh, I got out. And, you know, it, it was uh, – I had a spiritual – I had more than one spiritual awakening. But uh, getting to the title, uh, that year was 1984. And uh, I was struggling. You know, I knew it all. Didn't accept my problem as being a problem. And I was really struggling. And this old timer, Bob Judge, and I can use his name now. He passed away years ago. Uh, and he said this. I wasn't the only one. But he, he looked me uh, straight in the eye one day when I was uh, just resisting. And uh, I was kind of like, hey, I don't understand. What do I got to do? I, I don't get this. And, and he looked me straight in the eye. He says, it's an inside job, kid. And... I've been on a quest ever since then to go inside and, and, and learn that, you know, uh, drinking wasn't the real problem. It was the issues that I had, the traumas, uh, all of all of the psychological stuff that uh, puts you in the position of trying to numb yourself and not feel. And that's where I was at. And uh, uh, Bob, I, I still remember that to this day. And uh, it. it it made a lot of sense. I had to go inside instead of blaming others, pointing the finger outside of me. So you started in 1984, you said, right? Yeah. But you have 18 years clean. So I guess you must have relapsed I, in between. Oh, so it yeah. was my I started. I started in 1984 also. Right. I noticed that. I, I watched your show a couple of times and I heard you say that. And it's like, geez, that's when I started. But I, I didn't I didn't stick with it. Yeah, well, I was fortunate. I don't even know how it happened. I, I told them I wouldn't even get high with you people. I don't even know what I'm doing here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't, I, you know, when I first, you know, what I heard about people in AA was like, those people aren't me. I don't want nothing to do with them. Uh, I, I, they're drunks and, and bums and this and that. I mean, you know, as a 21-year-old kid, your ego is, you're riding pretty high and uh, uh, no pun intended, but... <laughs> It was uh, one of those things that uh, I didn't want to associate with them. And I kept going back in and back out. And it got to the point uh, where I, I've been in mental institutions. I, I 
was arrested once for DWI when I worked in Greenhaven. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was lucky. I got away with a lot. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, once I figured out that this isn't, uh, working for me, uh, that day came in 2005, I was uh, drinking a, a Michelob and sitting at the bar. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And uh, that was the, my last drink. And uh, a lot had happened uh, um, after that. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. Did, did you have another question? Uh, yeah, no, you know, you know, part of your story is like a similar story for all of us. You know, and, and the bottom line is, is that you finally realized, which was a blessing, you know, that, you know, you, you're down the wrong road, man, you know, well, and, yeah. and, and the bottom line is stuff happens in recovery and a lot of addicts and alcoholics, they go back to their old ways because they say they can't deal with it. But, you know, what the bottom line is, is that stuff's always going to happen. If stuff is not happening in your life, that means you're dead. Right. You know, so that's just the way it is. So you got to enjoy the ups and work through the downs. Right. You know, well, that's, you just, know that's life. I went through a, a lot of the stuff. I'm sorry, John. I just wanted to, before I forget, I I wanted to make the point that uh, when I said I went, and, well, I wasn't necessarily in jail. I worked in a jail for 19 years in different jails. I mean, I was doing my own type of time, but uh the mental institutions, I was on five or six psychotropic drugs for, for 12 years. I went through shock therapy. Uh, uh, my final, I went to two rehabs. Uh, the second one was on my own. I decided to go when I had shot up heroin. That was the final straw for me. And uh, that wasn't such a good experience. And uh, that that scared me enough that you know if I'm starting to do something like this, uh, I I need I need to do something. I, I need to get with it. I always said when I was going in and out of the program, they a uh, I used to uh, say yeah I'm an alcoholic. I admitted it all the, all the time. I, that that was what I started out with. I my name's Steve and I'm an alcoholic. But the one difference for me that took the longest for me to understand is I never actually accepted it. I said it, but I never accepted it. And so that, that kept me out there for a long time. And so, you know, you hit bottom, uh, and, uh, finally understand that, you know, I'm going to end up dead if I don't do something. What happened? Do we lose, uh, something? We just had a small glitch in just a second, so it's all fine. So okay. go ahead and pick up right where you were. Okay. So anyhow, uh, you know, I'd been uh, traveling around the country. After I left New York, I, I traded work for rent on horse ranches for a couple of years, and I got to see a lot of uh, this country. And I, I, I would attend meetings in different states, and that was a, that was a unique experience for me. But uh, – I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, my life has changed quite a bit. I, I my partner, um, and her and I have been together for about six years now. And, uh, we made the choice to, uh, uh help raise her grandchildren. And, uh, there is a, 
her grandchildren were neglected and, and sexually and uh, emotionally abused. And uh, I had a lot of time to think about that, but uh, she told me her story before we even started dating. And uh, I made up my mind that I wanted to help her. I thought about my childhood. I loved my father, but he wasn't there for me. Uh, there were seven of us in our family, six boys and a girl. And uh, I, I, I just remember having, not having a father had to be, has to be a terrible experience for, for children. And well, uh, you know, you're helping, you're helping God's kids. That's number one. Yeah. And, and number two, it, I love having people like you on the show is because what you show, no matter what, no matter if you relapse, no matter if you've been in mental institutions, no matter if your life was, you know, hard as can be, you can still come out of that hole in the ground and just keep going forward and, and see some daylight. And and that's what these stories are really about. And a lot of people give up. They figure, well, I know what to do and I just don't do it. And I keep doing the same thing over again. I'm never going to change. And, you know, they go through all that stuff. And um, what I keep telling people is, is that, look, if you keep going, you'll get the job done. Keep going to a program, keep going to therapy, keep searching the inside of what's going on with you, and you'll see you'll get better. Never give up. The miracle will happen. It will happen. Well, that was my book, The Kid from the South Bronx Who Never Gave Up. There that's you go. Named it. That's well, and that's that's my mine is uh you're never alone, never give up, the miracle will happen. And uh you know, there was, uh, I, I hope people will get a chance to get my book and, and uh, see how far down I went and I came this close to uh, uh, taking my own life. Right. And miraculously, a phone call came right before I was about to do the deed. And uh, it's all in the book there. It's, uh, it's, 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 it is, it's a miraculous thing that it happened. And that wasn't the only time. So uh, must have been painful writing because I know when I wrote my book about my life, uh, I, I, I cried, I laughed, uh, I put it down. I, I, I couldn't see it anymore for a while. And then yeah. I got back to it. I, I'm, I don't know if the same thing happened to you, but that's what happened to me. Yeah, yeah, it did, John. Absolutely. Just the way you described it. When when you're you're putting this down in the pages and then you're it's like doing a fourth step. Yeah. What, what's that? It's like doing a fourth step. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, there were times when I started crying when I, when I was writing it to, you know, it's the PTSD part with, with a lot of my stuff that, uh, you know, I've been diagnosed with that. I was diagnosed, uh, with bipolar, uh, disorder. Um, it, it, writing it was something that I, I did it for myself. I mean, I needed to get that out. But in my heart, I know I wanted other people to see that they're not alone. Right. That, that you know, I'm sure there's things that uh, other people may have experienced that were worse than mine. I'm sure of that. But just to let them know you're not alone, get your story out, share your story, get it out, and then let it go. You know, yeah, give people hope. You know, um, see, the problem is today is that treatment centers today are 70 years behind the times. Um, talk therapy is not the only thing that you need to do. You need to, you need to eat properly. Yeah. Uh, you know, no sugars, right. no processed food. You need to exercise. You know, you need to, you need to take care of the body that God of your understanding gave you. 
you know, to me, uh, God gave me the gift of life, and it's what I do with that life is my gift back to God. So, you know, if you stop mistreating your body, uh, what are you doing? See, getting clean and sober is not just about drugs and alcohol and these behaviors. It's about living a quality life, and it's about giving back because we're selfish and self-centered. So it's all about us. Yeah. So to me, it's about giving back to the human race, doing our best to make a better world as best we can. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, but taking care of ourselves first. Otherwise, right. you can't help anybody. I totally agree with you. And it, it's a fine line. You know, I, I struggle sometimes with uh, uh, people uh, or talking with people without sounding too idealistic. But, it, you know, it's uh, it sometimes sounds that way, but it's true. It's about helping others and giving back. You know, before before we leave, before I leave, I, I, I wanted to do this. And I, I'm going to say uh, raising these kids, it's it's not easy because, frankly, it's a little emotional, a little emotional for me. But these kids hold a mirror up to my face and, and the triggers that I get when you know their their behavior affects me how old are the kids uh well the oldest turned 15 oh boy month, or last month and uh the youngest is seven we got them when they were two and nine so uh it's 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 been a while and well, you uh, get here's what you get you're not my parents you're not my father you're yeah. not this you're not that you know what are and you I'm telling me i made my mistakes but they hold that mirror, especially the older one. She holds a mirror up to me, and I see, you know, I got, I still got a way to go. I got a lot of work to do on myself. And hey, listen, when you stop working, okay, that's when you stop growing. See, one thing I learned in life, I want to remain a student because the better student I am, the better teacher I'll become. Absolutely. John, that's all I heard from my sponsor, Kenny Kerrigan, who's passed on now. He had 32 years right around there of sobriety, you say, remain teachable. Stay yep. in the now. That's right. Get on. You know, we tell people that, but it's very difficult to do. And, you know, yes. and I always tell people, look, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the bottom line is how well do you want to be? You want, you, know? you, you got to want to get better. Yeah. yeah. You have to want to get But Some people think, you know, they want to get better, but they think they can't. And you see, that's what we call stinking thinking, yeah. okay? Yeah. And the bottom line is, is you know, you could be whatever you want to be. You just got to work at it. And sometimes it takes a hundred times to get something right. But if you keep seven. going, eventually you'll get it. Yeah, seven was the number for me, and I almost didn't make it. Uh, I in my book, I, I you know, I I'm, I share that I share intimate details of the things that I did in my life. And uh, that was a battle uh, to have to, uh, you know, do that. But it's it was something that, that needed to be done. Right. And I did the same thing. Yourself, all of that, you know. Um, but the bottom line, like you said, it's about helping others. It's, 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 that's what it's about. Well, you can't have shame in your game because then you can't help anybody. Because then you bring up their shame. So the bottom line is to say, look, this is what's happened to me, and this is how you can overcome it. This right. way you, you become relatable. Otherwise, you're not relatable. You know, talking from a book means nothing. Talking from life experience is a whole other ballgame. 
Right. I always and, tell people you can read a book about uh, football, but until you play it, you're not going to know the game. Right. There was a I, Eckhart Tolle is someone that I used to love oh, to yeah. still do, and he he described in his first book. He says, you know, you can tell someone about honey. You can describe it. You can you can describe the texture. You can describe describe the taste. But he says you'll never understand what it is until you taste it yourself. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that's why I'm on the journey I'm on now because, you know, uh, I I I went partners in a ketamine clinic, and ketamine was a, a street drug, right? And you know, I, I was a little resistant to do that because it's oh, it's a street drug. You know, this is baloney. That and that. But then I started looking at the research. And I started looking at how people were getting helped, okay, mm-hmm. and how the government really, like, you know, uh, really put down psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And psychedelics, when done in the medical facility, done in a proper environment with counselors and therapy, uh, it really works very well. Better than the SSRIs that people are doing, like Prozac and Wellbutrin and Abilify, all these other drugs that really don't work very well. Okay, I'm not telling people not to do that, but what I am saying is, is that check out these other things that are going on now in the country, because yeah. they really do work. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be involved with it if it didn't work. And and I read that uh, I was reading about you and about your uh, business down there. Uh, at the end of my book, it's I, there, there's an interesting uh, paragraph or two about uh, my time with AA and. Uh, there's different avenues. There's different paths to take on, on this journey if you're willing to take it. And, you know, I, I full disclosure here, uh, at about 10 years when I moved out west here and I was going through a, uh, having anxiety. And uh, here in Colorado, uh, I started using marijuana to, to uh, uh, help my, help my anxiety. anxiety. I, I don't. And, and, you know, it got to the point where instead I was start, start beginning to self-medicate with it. So I needed to stop it. Um, I also just back in December, uh, trying to work through, still work through issues. I had done uh, ayahuasca. Okay. Talk about the psychotropics and uh, uh, they use that. To, they're finding these other drugs, which I, I'm scared uh, to talk about because people are still struggling. And I don't want them to uh, think that this is a, a, a good avenue, depending on their uh, time and sobriety. But uh, dealing with PTSD, my PTSD with uh, working in corrections, um, there were things that happened that I couldn't talk about. And I'd start to cry. I, I, you know, I cognitive behavioral therapy. That's another one. Uh, and that's that's kind of a solid. Well, you see, what, what people don't understand about psychedelics is, look, it's not a magic bullet, number one. Number right. two, you need to have integrative therapists that are going to work with you. So what we do at our clinic, we they get two hours. It's included in the journey of the ketamine of integrative counseling. And then once a week, I do group therapy as long as they want to come. All right. Do you, so, can you do no charge. No charge. As long as they want to come, we do group therapy. Can you do that virtually too? Yep, we do it on Zoom. Okay, well, you know, that's something I might be interested in. Well, what we do is we actually, we use it, you know, for our our own patients, our own clients. I don't do it with outside people. Oh, okay. You know, otherwise I won't be able to do it. We have so many people. 
So we just do it with our patients. But, you know, it's um, it's something that I instituted in the clinic because I don't want short-term results. I want long-term care. And, you know, and uh, there's no quick fix to anything. So if anybody thinks that any of these psychedelics are quick fixes, they're not. Right. What they are is another road, okay, to recovery, including going to meetings, including therapy, including eating right, including doing exercise. You know, you got to look at everything, not just one little thing that's going to help you. And that's just the bottom line. So, Like a holistic approach, yeah. It's a comprehensive approach. That's what holistic means. Holism means comprehensiveness. Okay. Okay. So that's how we look. We even do micronutrient tests. I, I, we even, I even added uh, brain mapping where we put electrodes on your head and measure the electrical output of your brain to show where you're deficient. And then we do neurofeedback also to help strengthen those quadrants in the brain that are deficient. We do a lot, a lot of different things. We do well, any D plus. Okay. You know, are you familiar with Joe Dispenza? Sure, I love Joe Dispenza. I he met him. The best, actually, he's the best lecturer, that one of the best I've ever heard. Yeah, when I was living in Sedona, he was in uh, at the Illuminate <clears throat> Film Festival, and uh, I was one of his handlers. I was working as a assistant production manager. Oh, really? He's terrific. He's really oh, bright. I love he's the a way funny guy too. He's got a interesting. He's got a good sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, the way he, he's a neuroscientist, I mean, the way he explains how the brain func the functionality and how how you can change your thoughts, um, it, it it makes it a very simplified methodology, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very impressed with him too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're getting we're getting down to a little bit of time left here, um, and uh, you know the discussion's been great. I want to kind of uh, circle back around, Steve, for a moment and uh, ask you, you know, you wrote this book, um, you know, it's an inside job kid. And uh, I'm going to remind everybody once again, it's available on Amazon, Kindle and Audible. Um, so, again, it's an inside job kid. You wrote the book. I mean, is this something you're going to be doing more of or is this a one and done kind of deal for you or well, you know, where, where's Steve going next? I, you know, Scott, I've. I've tried to contemplate this, uh, or I've contemplated this for a while, writing more. And I, I'm still, I spent four years on this book and I tried to edit, edit it myself. I love to write, but of course you don't edit your own work. That doesn't work out so well. You know, and I, no, find, no, you know I tried to, it didn't work out to do. <laughs> You end up right. erasing everything. Right. Yeah. Well, well, I, there was a, there's a background story to that too in itself, but, uh, I finally had some professionals uh, work on it and, and edit it and proof it and, uh, you know, the interior design, the cover, all that. Uh, as far, I would like to do more, um, but I don't think I could be as effective alone as I, I would with uh, doing it with someone else. I, I would like to have a co-collaborator and, uh, you know, uh, that that's what I'm looking at right now. I've got a bunch of ideas spinning around there that you know for for another book, but uh, for the time being, I, I'd like to get this one going. And uh, I think if I can can get the readership and get the feedback I need to improve myself as a writer, I think I I have a better time of going on with uh, something else. But I need that feedback, and I'm hoping that you know that book will sell and uh, it's going to help people. 
and uh, maybe uh, encourage me to, to do something else. All right. Well, you're I on like the right that. path as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank I you. Like, Jim. I like that a lot. You mentioned Binghamton, New York. You got sober there. Um, uh, I'm from Syracuse. That's where oh, I was. Okay. I grew um, up in Elmira. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I grew up in Syracuse and, uh, and then, uh, then I went to Jersey and then my life went to hell. Um, <laughs> That's because you didn't go to the South Bronx. I went to Jersey. Maybe I went to the really went to hell. They wouldn't let me in the South Bronx, John. Well, I, I had my brother, my brother lived in uh, Woodside in Queens. I used to be, I spent a lot of time in the city. I used to drive limo in the city too. Hey, there you go. Yeah. You probably drove around some of your relatives. Yep. He's still alive. He's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> done a good job. Uh, one last question I want to put out there, and, and I like sure. to kind of put a bow on a lot of this. You know, obviously your recovery is important to you, and and your your that uh, that little glitch you're seeing that, that we're seeing this isn't appearing on the show, so let's not panic about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a little glitch, but um, Steve, you you obviously care very much about what you do and your your journey and where you are now. Yeah, I want to know you and your wife taking on the responsibility of these children and doing what you do. Yeah, she's my partner. We're not married, so. Oh, all right. You're, you and your partner. Okay. Her grandchildren, yeah. Okay. All right. You and your partner. Um, I'm surprised she hasn't hit you over the head for not marrying her yet, but that's you got a good one if you didn't have to. <laughs> she, she don't want to get married. <laughs> oh, wow. You got a great one. <laughs> oh, she's a pilot. She's a, she, she's a flight instructor. She's she's wow. ahead of me in a Free lot spirit. of areas. So. Free spirit. I want to know. Have you been able to take your story and help those children through the struggles that they've gone through? You mentioned they went through struggles. Do you share your story and the struggles that you went through with them? And has that helped your family to start to heal from, from all of the issues? Well, I mean, that's been a struggle for me. Uh, I've wanted to, like the oldest one, wonderful kid. Uh, but she's got, you know, she she went through a lot from six years old to nine years old and I went through foster homes and, and things that I couldn't even think I would be able to deal with it a lot more than what I went through as a kid. But, uh, her, her grandmother and I have talked about it and we, I've mentioned things I've read her excerpts, uh, hoping that that would, would help or, you know, sink in. But a lot of the book, I wouldn't want her to read at this age yet. I, it just, I don't, I don't know if she would be ready considering what she'd gone through, if that would be such a good idea, but I do try in, in answer to your question, Scott, I, I do try to incorporate some of those uh, issues uh, in, in, in disciplining the kids and the wise and everything. But, you know, kids at that age, especially the oldest one at 15, it's a lecture. And I, I tend to end up doing a little lecturing, but, uh, I try not to. I, I, I try to be as down to earth and grounded when I talk to her as much as uh, possible and use some of the experiences I had that are in my book that I can share with her. So right. wonderful. I, I, I only bring it up because John and I often talk about with my family, with John's family, uh, our recovery is a family journey. And we, we all, you know, I, I with my kids. And the issues that they've had, losing their mother to the addiction and all those things that have happened, yeah. you know, being able to share that that story. And John's constantly, you know, his family's completely involved in his recovery, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, my son's got going on 18, 19 years now. I went through hell with him. 
Mm. You know, but you know, it's a good thing life in the big city. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, it's, city life isn't uh, isn't for everybody. That's for sure. But yeah. um, you, you know, when you talk about that, the, the family unit and everything, it, it is important. Uh, I, both of my daughters uh, live back in New York and Buffalo and in Elmira, and uh, thankfully, they're they don't have the problem that I had. And uh, it's uh, it, it's a tough one. I, I I try to use my experience to help the kids. And one of the reasons why Ann involved me with this and felt confident, which, you know, it was hard for me because I wasn't even so sure myself, be, you know, because of what I went through. But, you know, I worked in after corrections. I worked in uh, I worked in a, a rehab up in Ithaca, New York as a residential counselor, I had worked in uh, child protective services for a short time. And um, with those experiences and that training, she thought that would be helpful being involved in this situation. And to be honest, it, it has helped me a lot. But again, as I pointed out to you, John, you know, I'm getting the mirror held up to me. Like, uh, you know, well, you got to remember they're 50, she's 15. Remember yeah. when you were 15, see, you gotta understand, it takes time to learn what yeah. we learn. So what happens, you start getting frustrated, they can't see what you see, right? And what it's you have true. to understand is they're not ready. This is like a three-minute egg. Okay, can't take it out before, you can't take it after because it's not a three-minute egg anymore. So you have to look at them like a three-minute egg. They're not ready. So all you can say, look, this is my experience, do what you can with it and let it go. Otherwise, right. you're gonna get frustrated, go, how come you don't see this? Exactly. That's that's the my response. I know. I know. I go through what, that too sometimes. What's that, John? I go through that too sometimes. So I got it. So if it's you haven't cool. learned anything from our show today, kids are like boiled eggs. All right, that's what we want the point there to you be. Go. There that's you what go. we want everybody. Kids to are like three minute eggs. That's what they like. Are. Um, yeah. Great, great to meet another. Uh, have a conversation with another New Yorker. Appreciate you, Central New Yorker and Central New Yorker. Uh, uh, Tully Hill, you weren't there, were you? Tully Hill, no. I I've known some people there. I this was in uh, this was uh, uh, called Cars, Cayuga Addiction Recovery Services. Oh, okay, all right. In New York, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, listen, Steve, can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to be on with us, coming to us from out in Colorado. Reminder: it's an inside job, kid, on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. The book about the journey to recovery and what what Stephen's learned, we definitely want people to pick that up. Absolutely. And uh, Steve, hopefully, we'll have you back again sometime. We'll talk some more. There's so much to talk about when we're talking about this this these kind of years of recovery and uh, in yeah. our journey to get there. Well, thank you so much, I, John Scott. I I, I really appreciate. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Listen, Thanks we got to get the message out, and I hope people listen. You know. Sometimes people don't have the patience to listen through a podcast, but you know, that's their loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can't sit still that long, you probably should go to a meeting. All right. I'm right. just saying, yeah. just, just saying. All right, folks. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for joining us. Reminder, please check out johnjgiordano.com for more information about John and his books. And certainly make sure you like this show and share it with your friends. Final thought, John. Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's why I wrote my book. That's why you wrote your book, because we got to get these messages out because people feel hopeless. And there's, there's nothing about hopelessness, yeah. okay, and helplessness. You can get out from under wherever you are. 
he's got his story. I got my story. And there's so many stories like this that people really got into recovery. And recovery is more not just about drugs and alcohol and behaviors. It's about living a quality life and reaching out and at least giving back to the planet. All right. So not only about, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, 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 me. Okay. Because I learned this. The more you give in a balanced way, the more you get. And you don't give to get, but you just give freely. That's about it. All right. So, again, for our guest, uh, Stephen Moth, uh, John Giordano, I'm your co-host, Scott Jones, saying thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time right here on Beach Your Addiction.